0: You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you are joining us for another episode. If this is your first time listening to the Bonfire Podcast, we would like to say welcome and encourage you to come in and stay a while. Listen to what we have to say And uh, if you enjoy what you're hearing, we'd ask you to subscribe and download our content on a regular basis. And for those of you who've been listening for some time and you haven't done so, please go ahead and do that subscription. That way you get those uh, uh, episodes downloaded to your device on a regular basis every week when we release them at 8 o'clock on Sunday evening. I'm also encouraged to go over to our Facebook page, like and follow us there. It's a great place to go and start a conversation about the episodes and things that you're you're seeing and and, uh, learn a little bit more about us. And also a good opportunity to tell a friend and share the information with somebody else. So that's always what we ask you to do is to uh, tell someone and uh, specifically, this would be a great time to to tell someone about the Bonfire podcast because we are going to be starting into a new series as we get into our episode today. So um, again, remember those three things, download and subscribe, like and follow and tell a friend if you would. Well, I hope all of you had a great and restful 4th of July weekend. Uh, I say restful, but if your holiday weekend was like mine, you were probably fairly busy. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to our our last episode that was released on the 4th, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, the episode is entitled America Woke But Spiritually Broke, and we tackled some of the tough issues that our country is facing and presented how we should approach these from a Christian perspective. So go check it out. It's still there. We haven't been censored by big tech yet. Um, and so, uh, go, go find that episode and I would encourage you to share that because there's some very important things in there that more people need to hear. Uh, so go to that Facebook page, like it and share that with your friends. And again, we'll keep it out there as long as we possibly can until, um, the big tech folks take it down. Well, uh, Dad, this episode and for the next three episodes, I'm excited. We're going to be starting a new series, a new podcast series. And we're going to entitle this one, The Depths of Mercy, Jonah and the God of Second Chances. And so we're going to be diving into the book of Jonah, which tells the account of how God showed mercy and worked to restore his disobedient prophet Jonah. That's right. Now, probably a most uh, notable part, a memorable part about this account is that in the midst of his rebellion, Jonah was swallowed by a great fish, uh, by oh, yeah. a whale, we believe. Mm-hmm. And so many uh, throughout the years have pondered the of the probability of whether this could happen. Uh, but within recent weeks, news broke that a man was swallowed by a whale, and he lived to tell the story. It was a modern-day Jonah experience. Right. That, I think you got some of the details of what happened to share with our listeners. That's right. It was reported by the Associated Press on June the
1: 22nd of this year that a commercial lobster diver, Michael Packard, was swallowed whole by a humpback whale off the Massachusetts coast, but made it out alive with only minor injuries following the life-and-death encounter. Packard told WBZ-TV that he was 45 feet deep in the waters off Provincetown when the attack occurred. He initially thought the whale was a shark, but he realized he was wrong when he didn't feel any teeth or pain. Packard said, all of a sudden, I felt this huge shove, and the next thing I knew, it was completely black. In an interview with the Cape Cod Times, he added, I could sense I was moving, and I could feel the whale squeezing with the muscles in his mouth. I was completely inside, meaning the whale. It was completely black. I thought to myself, there's no way I'm getting out of here. I'm done. I'm dead. All I could think of was my boy's Uh, They're 12 and 15 years old. Packard said he thinks he was in the whale's mouth for about 30 seconds. He was able to breathe because he still had his breathing apparatus on. In an effort to save himself, Packard said he began shaking the whale's head before the animal surface and ejected him. In a Facebook post, he said the whale spit me out, sounds like Jonah, Mm -hmm. and that he escaped with bruises and no broken bones. Packard's mate, Uh, Josiah Mayo plucked him out of the water and headed back to shore. He was released hours later from the Cape Cod Hospital following this scary encounter
0: with a humpback whale. Well, uh, you know, as soon as you sent me that story, Dad, I, I thought to myself, uh, that sounds familiar. I've read that story. It sounds like Jonah, and so that new story served as the inspiration for us to revisit the book of Jonah. Now, most people are very familiar with this story, and and many can just recite it uh, almost verbatim, uh, because it is uh, primarily viewed as a as one of the notable stories from children's books or for children's Bibles. And and many times, though, we think that that's the only purpose of this story is to to fulfill the the stories that we tell our children during children's church or during. Sunday School. But oftentimes we neglect the deep spiritual truths that are found uh, throughout this record of Jonah's ministry. And so I'm excited because we're going to dive in. We're going to spend about four weeks uh, looking at this book and taking it apart and really understanding what God wants us to hear. The book portrays human rebellion and God's response. Jonah's narrative reveals uh, that God is forgiving and is willing to hear and respond to prayers of repentance. The book portrays the depths of God's mercy. That's where we get the title from, the depths of mercy. And so, Dad, I I like the definition you usually give for grace and mercy. I thought it would be appropriate to to put it here, and I I hope I got this right. You say grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, Mm -hmm. and mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. That's right. And so we see in this the depths of God's mercy throughout the book of Jonah. We also see God's grace um, there as well. And so um, with this as our lead-in uh, to our series, let's dive into the Word and learn about the depths of God's mercy through the life and the ministry of Jonah. If you got your Bible, if you will, turn uh, to the book of Jonah. We're going to be starting in chapter 1 uh, this week, and I want us to look at just the first two verses here as we get started And so again, Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So that's verses one and two there. And in these verses, we see God's uh, call to Jonah. Now, that as I was uh, looking at this, there's a couple of things I think we need to get kind of background information taken care of. And the first important note that we need to make is that Jonah is a real person. Mm-hmm. You know, now many times uh, people try to, to argue that the book of Jonah was figurative language. Maybe it was a parable, but we see here that uh, it references uh, Jonah's father. So it gives kind of a lineage. And we also know that Jonah's references elsewhere Elsewhere in the Bible he's referenced over in Second Kings uh, chapter 14 and then Jesus himself actually referenced Jonah uh, over in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Mm-hmm. And so Jonah mm-hmm. is a real person and Jonah was a prophet of God uh, to the Israelite people. But in these verses we see that God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. But God didn't just call Jonah to go. He also called him to preach. Uh, Notice that in in that verse there, they use the term cry out against Nineveh. So he wanted him to go preach to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, and Assyria was one of the oldest enemies of Israel. As verse 2 says, it was a wicked place. There's no doubt that the years of cruelty from the Assyrians had left a deep wound in the minds of the Israelites, including that of Jonah. That's right.
1: Nineveh was a great city, and this city was in northern Iraq. And of course, we've heard a lot about Iraq on the news in recent years. Uh, It is said that it had streets 20 miles long, walls 100 feet high, so wide three chariots could be driven abreast the top of them. Historians tell us that the population of Nineveh exceeded hundreds of thousands. The Bible tells us 120,000 of the people that lived in Nineveh did not know their right hand from their left hand, an indication of the number of children living in the city. Great in size, population, as you said, Matt, great in wickedness. The people were known to be cruel, heartless people. They thought nothing of burying their enemies alive, skinning them alive, impaling them with sharp poles under the hot sun. Entire towns would commit suicide rather than fall into the hands of the brutal Assyrians. And as a people, the Assyrians were hated. You noted that they were the enemies of Israel. Knowing this, Jonah must have certainly thought when God spoke to him and told him to go to Nineveh, he must have said, Lord, I must be hearing you wrong. Don't you mean go to Jerusalem or Bethlehem? Folks, I want to tell you, it was a hard preaching assignment.
0: That's exactly right. And you know furthermore if you didn't get from the description here the Syrians were gentiles these were non-Jews. Mm-hmm. And so right then and there uh, uh Jonah being a Jew Knowing that these have been these people have been so mean and so cruel to the the Jewish people, he would have had a problem with it right off uh, from the bat. Yet God still called His prophet to go and to preach to Nineveh. Now, one of the things that I, I note here, Dad, is again our series is called the Depths of Mercy, and this is the first thing I see where God's mercy is coming through. Because uh, yes, God is the God of of Israel, but right. He's also the God of the entire world. That's right. And uh, these this was a wicked. And this nation deserved probably more than than any other nation at the time that God should have just, you know, zapped them right there where they are. But instead of him giving them what they deserve, he gave them what they don't deserve and wanted uh, uh, Jonah to go there and to preach to them and to offer them repentance so that they could come back into a, a good standing and return from their wicked ways. So I see that's the first episode of God's mercy playing out in the scripture. So let's move on and look at uh, Jonah's response to God's call. And so let's look at verse three here. Starting at verse three, it says, but notice that word, but that's how he starts the sentence. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarsus and from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare and he went down into it. To go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Now, in this verse, we see here uh, Jonah's full rebellion against God. And not only just against God; this is God's will that he is going against, right? And so Jonah just didn't rebel and say, "No, God, I'm not going." Uh, Jonah took off to Tarsus. Now, what's interesting about Tarsus, Tarsus was in the exact opposite direction mm-hmm. of where God told him to go. And so from just the, the look of things, he was going as far away from God told him to go as he possibly could by going in the opposite direction.
1: That's right. I did a little bit of research on Tarsus, and that was the farthest known city of the day, uh, possibly being in Spain, 2,000 miles away from Israel, and so he, like you said, he tried to get away from uh, Nineveh as far as he could go.
0: Yeah, that that was uh, going basically to the end of the world at that, that at that point. That's right. Uh, was going as far as he possibly could to get away uh, from uh, where God had called him to go. Dan, I find that the last verses and uh, the last words in verse three are very telling. It says that Jonah fled the presence of the Lord. Jonah was running away from God. Now, Dad, I got to thinking about it, and I think oftentimes we uh, lose perspective of just how big God is and just how small we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Running from the creator of the universe, the one who sees and knows all things, never works out. We can't run from God's presence, even though that seems to be the fleshly reaction uh, just as Jonah did. And I got to thinking about it, Dad. You think about our our, our first uh, humans in the Bible, uh, Adam and Eve, right? And Adam and Eve, they were created to have a relationship with God and to spend time with God and to commune with God. But then they did the one thing God told them not to do, which was to take of that fruit uh, from the forbidden tree. And after they did that, what was the first thing that they did? They hid. They hid, right? right? They came. They they God came and they ran from God and they tried to hide. That's the the nature, sinful nature says, "Hey, I got to get away. I got to hide from God," but there's no way of hiding from the the one true God. Mm-hmm. He sees and He knows all things, and we're going to see that uh, Jonah didn't get too far away from God. God was still there.
1: That's right. Hey, when you run from God, you can't get away from Him because He'll meet you at every corner. Hey, here's something else. The Bible says that he paid the fare. It is very costly when you are disobedient to God. Galatians 6-7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Uh, we pay for it when we rebel against God.
0: That's exactly right. The other thing that I thought about, and I, I read this as I was reading uh, various writers, and, and w- one of the writers, I can't remember who it was, made the point that Um, It seemed, and maybe in Jonah's mind, that everything was going right, right? He went down there. He found a boat that was going to the place that he wanted to go. That's right. He happened to have the the amount of money that uh, was required to pay the fare. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so in his mind, he's like, hey, everything's working out. And I think that's so true if sometimes people get caught in the middle of not being in God's will, and they think, well, this must be okay because everything's working out the way it's supposed to. Uh, But Please understand, that does not mean that you're working uh, in the direction that you're supposed to go and that you're in the will of God just because it seems that circumstances are aligning the way that they should. That's
1: exactly right.
0: Well, Dan, I want us to to look now, Our kind of our third point is that God's chastening, and that's going to bring us to verse 4, and we're going to read through uh, verse 9 here. And so let's let's read this together, uh, starting at verse 4. It says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried to his God and threw the cargo as it was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? "'Arise, call on your God, perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish.' And they said to one another, "'Come, let us cast lots, that we may know whose cause of this trouble has come upon us.' So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. They then said to him, "'Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country?' And what, is, what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the seas and dry land. So it takes us through uh, verse 9 here, Dad. Um, what I find interesting here is that uh, Jonah's trying to run from God, and it says that God sent a great uh, a wind and a great sea, a storm. Um, and so God is chastening um, after uh, Jonah, because he's decided that he's going to go against God's will. I find it interesting, the quote from Charles Spurgeon says that uh, that God never lets his children sin successfully, and Jonah is proof of that uh, statement and how true it is. Hebrews 12, verse 6 says that for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And so we see that this storm was not sent to necessarily punish uh, Jonah, but it was sent to discipline Jonah. And there's a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. You know, punishment is just simply a, a consequence for doing wrong, mm-hmm. whereas discipline is usually a consequence, but we use it in a positive way to change behavior. Right. And so God was using this to try and change Jonah's behavior, try to get his attention and so that he would understand that he is doing wrong by rejecting God's will. Yes, there's two kinds of storms,
1: storms of correction and storms of perfection. Now, you know the story about the disciples of Jesus. They were out on the Sea of Galilee with him in a boat, and Jesus was fast asleep. And a storm came up, and they were fearful of their lives, these experienced fishermen The disciples of jesus and they woke jesus up and said in essence don't you care we're perishing and jesus calmed the wind and the waves and and that storm jesus knew they were going into the storm that storm was a storm of perfection it was uh to perfect their faith because jesus said you've got little faith he wanted their faith to grow uh for Storms of perfection, therefore the purpose of stretching our faith, helping it to get stronger, teaching me patience or something else. But then there are storms of correction that can come into our lives as Christians. Now, the Lord will chasten us if we sin, just like any father that loves his children will do when they are disobedient. Uh, father will eventually chasten his child. And so there are storms of correction that come in our life. I can purposely uh, tell you about uh, a storm of correction in my life. God was calling me to surrender to full-time ministry when I was About uh, 18, almost 19 years old, he started calling me. And he gave me several miraculous signs, and this would be a completely different story to tell you about, to really confirm that he he had called me to full-time ministry. But I would not listen to God. I remember it was just a miracle of how I got my first job in the ministry at 19 years of age, being a youth minister in the summer of the Baptist church. And the kids that summer said, uh, Reggie, I know what you're going to be. You're going to be a preacher. And I said, well, I, I'm going to preach, but I'm going to be an industrial manager. That's what I went to Clemson for. And they said, no, you're going to be a preacher. And I said, no, no, I, I won't preach. You know, I'll preach. But but I would not I would not uh, relent to his will to surrender completely to full-time ministry. And so just before it was time for me to go back for my second year of college, I started having a terrible pain uh, on my right side. And my parents took me to the hospital. and They determined the doctor did that it was appendicitis. I had to have my appendix out. I knew why I was lying in that hospital bed. I had been disobedient to God. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt why I was there. I wouldn't listen to him after he had revealed his will to me so clearly. And so I got, I got out of that hospital. And as quick as I could, I hobbled my way down the aisle at Springdale Baptist Church where I was serving as a youth minister, told those good folks God called me to surrender, to be a preacher, to be a pastor. And and then I got back at college just in time to change my major, and I was able to graduate in four years like I supposed to. And uh, I tell you, one thing that, that caused me to not want to be a pastor, pastors live in parsonages, you know, in the parking lot of the church. And I did not want to live in a parsonage in the parking lot of the church. I didn't want to move from one town to the other. I was a homebody, you know. And so uh, it's kind of interesting. I'm 61 years old, and since I've been married apart from that last year seminary, I've always lived in a parsonage, (laughs) and I've
0: enjoyed it, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. So again, uh, God was using this storm to discipline, not necessarily punish Jonah and and I also think that this is um, another kind of layer of God's mercy uh, coming through because uh, th- think about this. Um, Jonah God had given Jonah a call to go to preach Nineveh. and again, he rebelled, but he just didn't rebel and say, no, I'm not going. He literally went as far away from God's will as he possibly could go at that time. And uh, was even trying to get away from God's presence. So, really, you can't find someone that's in a in a worse shape in terms of rebellion. And God had every right just to say, you know what, you're my you're my man. I've chosen you to be my prophet. You've rejected what I've told you to do, and He could have called His life right then and there. But God's given him mercy. He's given him a second chance by sending this storm to try and get his attention. And obviously it got the attention of the, the sailors because it says that these mariners, they were afraid. Now, uh, these mariners uh, and and mariners even today, they're tough. They're tough. They've seen a lot. They've been out on, on the seas and they've seen high winds. They've seen tall waves And and probably nothing would shake these guys. These were the toughest of the tough that were out there. But when this storm came, they realized this wasn't normal. That's right. This is something like we had never seen. So it got their attention. um, But God was trying to get Jonah's attention. That's the attention he was trying to get. Uh, And and again, it was an act of of mercy here of trying to uh, discipline and correct Jonah to bring him back in to uh, a restored uh, relationship with God and to get him to do what he wanted uh, him to do, what he called him to do. And so we see here that God is chastening uh, Jonah uh, through this storm. But let's read on to the story and figure out uh, what happened here. We're going to pick up at verse uh, 10.
1: Hey, let me let me go back a little yeah. bit. In verse 5, you know, when the storm came and, and these mariners, as you said, uh, that were experienced sailors, they thought, man, we've never seen anything like this. There's something of a supernatural involvement. Somebody has offended the gods, yeah. you know. And so— uh, each man, the Bible says, cried out to his guide. And they threw the cargo out, the lighten the load of the ship, which was something that they would do. And then uh, Jonah, he was asleep during this time. Yeah. You know, the Bible tells us in verse 5, but Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. And the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, in other words, get up. Do like the rest of us. Call on your guide. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Well, you know, to me, that stands out that he was asleep, that he had uh, lain down and was fast asleep during this storm. Generally, when your conscience is bothering you, you can't sleep well. You toss and turn, you flip and flop. Given that our conscience bothers us when we do wrong, it's strange that Jonah, who was rebelling against God, could go to sleep. Now, there's two explanations for why He fell asleep. First, running will make you tired. I tell you what, I only live about two tenths of a mile from stop sign. If I was to run to that stop sign, I'd feel like my heart was about to, to, to beat out of my chest because I'm I'm not in good physical condition. I need to be. But it would make me tired. I'd have to come home and take a nap. Running to make you tired. Jonah was running from God's call on his life. And Jonah's running made him physically and spiritually exhausted. Well, the second reason for why he could sleep during the storm had to do with his conscience now and an old indian described the conscience this way he said that the conscience is a square peg inside the heart that turns when you do something wrong as it turns the sharp edges give you the sensation that you need to stop in other words stop what you're doing is wrong but if you ignore the warning over time then the edges wear off and it can freely turn without you feeling anything anymore. Well, I like the old Indian's way of describing the conscience. As long as our sin keeps us awake at night, there's hope for us. But when we get to the point uh, where our sin no longer bothers us, then that should be seen as a sign of danger. Jonah was sound asleep when the storm came up. He might not have slept so soundly, if he had been able to see through a few inches of planking, if he had been able to see what was swimming quietly along beneath the keel of the boat and keeping pace with its progress.
0: Mm, That's exactly right. Dad, as you were uh, telling that, I was actually looking down at at verse 9 here, getting ready for our next section, and something else came to me here. It says, uh, verse 9, "'So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who has made the sea and dry land.'" And uh, the thought I have here is that our actions speak louder than our words. Uh, Right here, Jonah is saying that he fears the Lord, the God of heaven, But his actions are not showing that at all, right? That's right. He's completely uh, rejected God's will. He's uh, rebelling against God. He's running as far away as he possibly can. But with his lips, he's saying that he fears God. And so our actions speak louder than our words. This is a time where his actions were not in line with what he was saying. That's right. You know, when
1: Jonah answered these questions and the captain and the men, they realized that, uh, hey, This is all happening to us because of you, because of Jonah. Jonah was exposed. And you know something? Be sure your sin will find you out. It's a sad day when a saint is exposed before an unbelieving world.
0: That's right. Let's move on and look at verses 10 through 16 now, starting at verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the seas continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows." So as we read this uh, continued account of, of Jonah, we see here that the, these men are now questioning and they're wanting to know why, why, why did you do this? And what's interesting, dad, is, is Jonah had already told them, I guess he was up front when they said, why do you want to go to Joppa? And he said, I'm running from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of a weird thing for him to disclose up front, but he had told them that. And so they said, well, what are we going to do? And he says, well, just throw me over throw me over and the seas are going to be fine. Notice that the men, they didn't want to do that. It says that they continued to row and they tried their best not to do that. They said, Oh man, this guy's crazy. We're not going to throw him over into this raging sea. They knew that he would perish Mm -hmm. and that he would die. Um, But ultimately the sea continued to get just more rough and the storm got bigger and bigger and they were left with no other choice than to throw uh, Jonah overboard. What I find interesting, dad, is that, um, you know, in verse 14, the the pagans actually, uh, it says, cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish. So remember earlier, they were praying to all these other gods. That's right. But now they've identified that Jonah's God is, is, the, is, real a, God. is the real God, and he's in control of things. And so they're praying to him and asking uh, for uh, his protection. And they also asked uh, for basically his their forgiveness, right? They said, we're getting ready to toss this man overboard. Don't hold it against us for doing that. And so I find it interesting that these pagans, um, they were showing more respect uh, for the Lord than Jonah was because right. they were seeking his his approval. They were seeking his protection and they were seeking his forgiveness for tossing this guy overboard. Mm-hmm. The other thing I find interesting in this set of scripture here is that, um, you know, Jonah's heart was really hard at this point. Right. Because as as they are asking him, you know, what did you do why did you do this? And then what do we do about it? His response could have been. Well, I need to fall on my knees and get this right with God right now. But instead, he said, toss me overboard, throw me into the sea. And he would rather be thrown into the sea and perish than actually do the will of God or to get right with God. Now, that's a hard heart right there. That's right. And and again, to me, I see just a thread of God's mercy showing through here because you're talking about someone who's so hard hearted that he's like, I'd rather die than do what he told me to do. Um, then that's someone that if, if I was God and I had the ability to put my finger on the button, I would have put my finger on the button right there, and he would have been gone. Right. Uh, but thankfully, I'm not God. And God showed him mercy, and uh, was giving him a second chance uh, to do what he asked him to do. I think about it uh, when we
1: uh, read about the fruit of the Spirit, and you know, it's the fruit of the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is patient. And has has uh, got self control, mm-hmm. so uh, good thing God's not like us. I mean, <laughs> he's right. got self control. He was patient, but uh, but you know, certainly I think that God understands we but clay, and uh, and He knew what He was asking Jonah to do, so uh, He had mercy on him, That's like right. you said.
0: Yeah, He had plenty of mercy on him. And so we see here again that Jonah gets tossed over into the sea, and we're going to pick up at verse 17 on next time, so we won't go into, um, into the rest of what happens to him in the sea. We'll catch that next time. But uh, just some thoughts here that, that I had, Dad, that I want us to kind of go through. I got to thinking about the consequences of sin. And again, I, I said in our lead into this that, that the book of Jonah and the story or the record of Jonah's ministry— is more than a children's story. There's a lot of spiritual truths here, mm-hmm. and we've already begun to unpack it, talking about God's mercy and how mm-hmm. God was showing mercy to the nation of Nineveh, and how He has shown mercy uh, to um, uh, to um, uh, Jonah, and He even showed uh, mercy uh, to these pagans. They were praying to other gods. That's right, right. Um, and so God had uh, many opportunities there where He could have said, "No, I'm done with this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let these people, you know, meet the meet the end here." Uh, but there's consequences. Uh, to sin that I see that we' that we can learn from this story. The first thing that stood out to me is that uh, sin cuts off the power of prayer. I want us to go we're gonna go back a little bit. Look at verse six here. and in verse six, notice that they came to him. The captain did. He said, "Wake up, wake up. Why are you sleeping? Arise and call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider uh, us so that we will not perish. What I find interesting here is that we believe Jonah wrote this account. Jonah never wrote that he actually prayed to God. Right. Uh, And and so right then and there, sin can disrupt your prayer life. In fact, it'll render it powerless. Mm -hmm. I don't know about our listeners, but I know that there's been times in my life where I had gotten to a position where I wasn't completely clean before God. And I I tried praying, and sometimes it feels like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down at you. Mm -hmm. And and it's because that you've got sin in there, unconfessed sin, that you need to get out and get before God. And then it's amazing, once you do that and you repent, how that connection uh, to God seems to open back up, and you're able to pray with the, the fervor and the power that you once had. That's right. A verse that comes
1: to my mind, and I've quoted it many a time, is Psalm 66, verse 18, that says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. When we live in open, unrepentant sin, we cannot communicate with God.
0: That's a, a great verse. And I think you pointed out when we were talking about this before we got started, uh, that that's in Psalms. So obviously Jonah probably knew that verse. I
1: would say so. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so that's something that he he was aware of. And so he may have, have known when that guy came to him and said, pray to your God. And he was sitting there thinking to himself, I can't pray right now. Right. Not with what, what I'd done. Mm-hmm. I can't talk to him. I've just told him that, I, you know, I'm running from him. Uh, I can't talk to him right now. I can't pray to him. And so the um, first consequence I see here is, again, that it cuts off the power of prayer. The second thing that I see um, that comes through through this story about the consequences of sin is that sin and the impacts of sin affect uh, and harms other people, mm-hmm. not just ourselves. You know, So many times we may be tempted to, to sin, and we think, oh, well, that's just a little sin, or it's just something small, and it it's not going to hurt anybody, right? That's oftentimes what people say when they're going to do something wrong, is it's not going to hurt anybody. But in reality, many times, and most of the time, I would say, a sin ends up hurting the person who committed the sin, but it also hurts people around them. And the example that I give here for you is, is obviously uh, Jonah is the one that's committed this sin against God. And he gets on this boat, and then these these other men are now impacted by his sin. Now, granted, they were pagans and they were praying to other gods, so they had their own problems. But this this uh, chastening and this, this storm was brought on by Jonah's sin. And because of what Jonah did, these other men were impacted, and they were scared for their lives. They thought they were going to die uh, because this sea was just a raging. And so, I think it's always good to put in perspective: is the devil will tell you that this sin ain't going to hurt. Right. It ain't going to. It's not going to bother anybody. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt anybody else. But in reality, uh, sin hurts. Right. And sin hurts the person who commits it. And so many times, sin hurts the people that are around that person as well.
1: That's exactly
0: right. The other thing, Dad, that I see here, um, a consequence of sin, the third thing that I see is sin causes you to lose your testimony. And I want you to think about this. So here we have um, one of the premier prophets of the day. This is uh, Jonah. This is God's spokesman. Um, he's the person that's getting direct uh, words and direction from God to take to the Israelites. Uh, he would be equivalent to like some big preacher of our time uh, in, in today's time mm-hmm. and uh, with a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. And here he is, he goes onto a boat and he's in the midst of pagans uh, that obviously don't believe that mm-hmm. there is a one true God. They're busy worshiping other gods. Right. He's at a prime opportunity to witness and to share uh, the news of his God to right. these people, mm-hmm. but his sin put him in a position to where he was no longer an effective witness. He ruined his testimony. Right, he had told these men that you know I'm running from God, and even when you get over into to verse ten there, uh, they, they don't understand it. They they knew that he had he was fleeing from the pres- uh, presence of the Lord, and so here it is as a prophet who's no longer effective. There's no way that he has an opportunity to win uh, these people because sin in our life. Mm-hmm. and that's so true in the life of you and I and believers today is that sin in our life will disrupt our ability and our testimony. And you think, well, you know I, I don't have a, a, a this big sin that I'm continuing to do. It doesn't have to be that. It can just be that that one tiny sin right you know that you do mm-hmm. and you do it in front of someone who's a non-believer and uh, and then that person, they're going to have you're going to have a hard time being able to share the gospel with them because they're going to think well you just did such and such i know what you do you're no better than i am mm-hmm. and so um it just it loses our testimony so those are three consequences of sin that i see coming out here i think you had some others that you you yeah. know
1: yeah you know i think about the fact that once a person that is an obedient follower of god decides that he is going to rebel against god and you know, not do God's will, until he repents, you know, that rebellion just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, I think it's just kind of interesting. It says that Jonah, you know, as he was running from God, verse 3, he went down to Joppa, and, uh, and then he found a ship going to Tarsus, and he went down into the ship. And then the Bible says that once he got into the ship, he went down in verse 5 into the lowest part of the ship. And of course, we know that the sailors threw him into the water. And even though the word down is not used there, we know when he went into the depths of the sea, he went down into the sea. So uh, we've got to stick close to God because the devil, if if he can just get you to break away from God and to be rebellious and not do his will, uh, you know, once something, you do something, the first Time it's a lot easier to do something that's wrong the next time and the next time thereafter you can go down 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 down
0: yeah it's a it's a downward spiral right and that's mm-hmm. what we really see here is, right. is Jonah kind of spiraling uh, and continuing to go further down and and uh, whether that was meant to come out from from these scriptures is definitely something that you can key off of and they key say, off of right. and, and say that yeah that 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 definitely applies I'm um, here and so um, again this is uh, we're going to start wrapping up this episode but we hope that you're enjoying. Uh, so far, this study into the book of Jonah. And again, a lot of spiritual truths here, a lot of, uh, of deep things that we can can discover from a book that's only, uh, I think, 48 verses long. Uh, the other thing I find interesting about this book that we'll see is uh, it contains 14 uh, questions. 11 of those questions are directed directly at Jonah. And as we read this, those questions technically are directed at us. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a probing book um, that asks a lot of things. And so I'm looking forward to diving in deeper and and, and studying about uh, the depths of mercy uh, that are found through uh, Jonah's experience with the God of Second Chances. So I would encourage all of our listeners, um, if you would tell a friend, uh, get someone to to study along with you. Now, the good thing about the book of Jonah, I mean, it is extremely short book, so you can read this. Uh, really in one sitting. Um, and so I'd encourage you to go ahead and read along with this. We're, we're in chapter one today, and then we'll be uh, moving into chapter two uh, on our next episode. So go ahead and be reading along, study this, uh, dig in deep, uh, take time to meditate on these words. You know, that, that's one of the things I've been focusing in on uh, lately is, you know, it's uh, everyone talks about daily Bible reading. And it's very easy for you just to read the words and just to say, okay, I read a whole chapter, um, but uh, sometimes the, the quality is better than the quantity, right? So right. focusing in and spending time and thinking about these verses critically, what is God trying to say here? What is this an example of? And uh, you'll be amazed at how things kind of pop out to you, just like you talked about that downward spiral. That's spiral. right. That's something that comes to you from studying
1: the Word. You said the word meditate, and that reminds me of something that I, I mentioned one Wednesday night. I told everybody that the word meditate in the scriptures actually means to chew the cud. And, and, and your friends, they laughed about that. <laughs> but, you know, the, the the cow eats and then he swallows and then, the the, the uh, you know, she'll uh, burp up that old grass, chew it again. You know, that's what we're to do. We're to take the scriptures and just chew the cud, so to speak. Think hard about it. Think in depth about it. You know, I'd like to add as we close, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. What is God calling you to do today? I truly believe that he's calling uh, those of you that are in our podcast audience to do something. Is God calling you to turn from your sin and trust him? Is he calling you to go to someone you're out of fellowship with and be reconciled with, such as a a family member or, or, you know, sometimes people fall out over their of over the will left by the parents is he calling you to go to someone you're out of fellowship with and be reconciled with is he calling you to make restitution for something that you've done wrong is he calling you to surrender to full-time ministry if so what are you going to do about it are you going to go on in rebellion or will you turn away from your rebellion and uh, come back to Christ and do what he asked you to do. That's the question I want to leave with you today. What are you going to do about
0: it? That's a great question. So all of us are being called. What is going to be our response? Hopefully we're going to respond better than that of Jonah. And so uh, that's a great challenge there to, to leave us with that. I appreciate that. If you would, bring us out of here. Lord, we love you.
1: We thank you, God, for allowing us this opportunity to study about this great prophet of God, Jonah, the reluctant prophet. But our Heavenly Father, Jonah, eventually ended up doing your will. God, we pray that we'll do your will right out the gate. Help us learn from this reluctant prophet, this prophet, Lord, that you showed your mercy to, and we're thankful for your mercy today. And I pray, dear God, that those that are listening in the podcast audience today that are... Hearing your voice, you're telling them to do something. Help them, Lord, to surrender to your will and to not run from it, Lord, so they won't go down, down, down. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.